What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. It is power to the pod. We're back after a two-week hiatus, thanks to the start of the league calendar year. It's mailbag time. Your questions, your hot takes, your topics, all pertaining to your Miami Dolphins, and sometimes not. Locked On Dolphins, power to the pod. It's your show, your topics. Let's get after it. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's go, Dolphins fans. Check your pulse. It's Locked On Dolphins. It's power to the pod, which means you guys are going to determine what it is that we are talking about today on the show. And I'm stoked. I'm ready for it. I'm mentally prepared. I know you guys have backlogged a ton of questions. We got mock drafts. We got topical stuff. We got hypotheticals. We got hot takes. You name it. We got it. We're getting after it. want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. If you missed this week's content thus far, I would highly recommend you check out. We did a quarterback series, a wide receiver series. Where does the Dolphins wide receiver duo of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle rank amongst all NFL duos? It's a good question. We did it yesterday on the show, so go check it out. What tier of AFC quarterbacks does Tua Tungvaloa fall into? It's a good topic. We did it on Monday. Go check it out. But now it's your turn to create good content, and that's exactly what we're going to do here on the show. Power to the pot. Lots of questions. And we're going to dive right in, into the deep end. And uh, I am recording this on Wednesday evening, and I'm going to try and jump into the Uh, Twitter spaces with Travis Wingfield and the fish tank when I'm done. So hopefully you guys catch me over there. If you need to catch the replay on Thursday, last day of March, (laughs) it's April Fool's on Friday. Keep your heads on a swivel. That's why we're doing power to the pod today. Then you can go catch the replay. But we're going to start with one from Johnson at AOL. And he, he offers a really good question. And this is a good question for me, and this is a good chance for me to um, kind of showcase how I try to approach and evaluate the team, the game of football. After seeing what this offseason has turned into, would you take Mike McDaniel and this offseason calendar and acquisitions, or Doug Peterson, who was my preferred choice at head coach at the start of the coaching search, and whatever lies behind door number two. I got to be honest. I really enjoy the vision of what the Dolphins have put together this offseason. And some of my concerns with Coach McDaniel were lack of experience as a head coach in the NFL, and we won't have answers of that until we get to the fall. But part of that concern was the ability to build and create a quality coaching staff. And I don't think there's any question Coach McDaniel has delivered on that front. The player acquisition, I love the vision. Teron Armstead, Connor Williams up front. The backfield additions, Chase Edmonds is a good ad. You paid handsomely for him. Uh, but that's the, the market of free agency unless you're getting guys that are, are getting closer to the end of their, their uh, high-level production. The trade of Tyreek Hill. I mean, we started this offseason, I was talking about Calvin Ridley or, or somebody else. To go out and get Tyreek Hill, yeah, that's a dream come true. 
So if you're going to build this offense around Tua Tagovailoa and you're going to try to accentuate his strengths, they've done the right things to this point in time. Now it's a question of how does it all gel? What other complementary pieces can you find in the draft and in free agency and trades between now and the start of the season? And how quickly can you onboard? And what does the execution look like? Uh, I think it's very easy for us to take for granted the 2020 and 2021 additions. You still may get significant leaps in player production versus what we had last year. And that layer on top of that with the defense that brought everybody back, I like the vision a lot. That vision was one primary part of my apprehension for Coach McDaniel, the other one being uh, his ability to serve as a leader who could create a good supporting staff of coaches and how he handles the pressures of being a head coach. I would say right now I would probably defer to what Chris Greer and Coach McDaniel have been able to assemble right now. I like this, and I wouldn't go with the mystery option and hope that the mystery box turns into a boat when I already have a boat, right? And that was that, that's a, a favorite analogy of mine as it pertains to a, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? Knowing what you have, there's value there. And we know what we have this offseason as far as the direction and the vision and how the pieces are hypothetically going to piece together. And I like it. I like it. A Viper man with a very, very gracious review of the show, which I thank you for. Um, depth of knowledge of the draft and the Dolphins uh, makes him very enjoyable to listen to, entertaining, well-spoken. Uh, first listen of the day. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Scalero with the next one. Kyle, love the show. Listen to it every day coming home from work. You think having Hill on the roster will hinder the growth of Waddle or help? That's a good question. Also, please, man, invest on a mic. The commercials blow my eardrums away every time. Here's what I can't. I can't control the volume of the commercials. But what I can do, and as you can see, I've got this nice new stand. Uh, about a month, month and a half ago, I had invested in a new mic stand in hopes that it was going to help me better with the, the video production for YouTube. And it just turned out to be like this really hollowed, noisy, messy bass. So for all the comments, hey, you know, the, the, we got the clinging and the clanging and all that kind of stuff. I heard you. We got the arm. I'm pretty confident that the arm is going to resolve our, our issues here as it pertains to a lot of the uh, noise imbalances and inconsistencies that you guys have had on the show. Here's hoping. As far as your question, uh, will Tyreek Hill help the growth of Waddle or hurt him? I don't see any reason why having the presence of another high-level receiver would hurt Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle played in an environment in Alabama where he was arguably the fourth option in the passing game, uh, and he still developed very, very well. And when it was his turn to have his number called, and when he was due to be a primary featured piece, which he was his last year before he got injured, let's not forget, he outproduced Devontae Smith before he got hurt at the, the opening kickoff in Game 5 against Tennessee. And then Devontae Smith would go on to win the Heisman as a result. So I think having Tyreek, because their play styles do complement one another from having similar skill sets, having Tyreek and having somebody with that skill set that has played at an elite level and has made elite production in six Pro Bowls in six seasons, like that in my mind is only going to help Jalen Waddle. And it's going to create more opportunities for Jalen Waddle 
to get somebody's second best corner and beat up on somebody else in coverage time in and time out. So I, I think it it will net from both an efficiency standpoint, maybe not a volume of target standpoint, but from an efficiency standpoint and a technical standpoint, only help build his game out further and further and further. Chad, Miami Dolphins. Enjoyed the podcast where you broke down the two of fit in the landscape of other AFC quarterbacks. Thanks for listening. That was Monday. It was nice to hear an educated and intentional assessment as compared to the garbage takes thrown out by the national media. My question for you as a draft expert is about your opinion oh, of Justin Herbert as a prospect versus Tua. It felt to me that Tua was a consensus pick at five, yet all I hear is how the Dolphins screwed this up by picking the wrong guy. I know no Herbert has put together a good career so far, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the two players in the pre-draft process. Why do you think the Dolphins were more comfortable taking the, quote, physically limited quarterback yet didn't accomplish much of anything to build around him until this season? Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, I could tell you I had the two players in the same bucket, and I don't know how well you guys can see it, but uh, behind me on the board, in my room, if you guys are watching on the YouTube channel, I'll see if I can, can pick that up for you. One of the things that we try to do with our draft assessment is, yes, everybody has a board and a quote-unquote board that goes one through 300 and it lists your players in the order that you like them and so on and so forth. But that's not really how the presentation of information happens from a draft process perspective. So I'll zoom out here a little bit and I'll let you guys go up and see the board. Wrong way. So right now, this board's got about 150 names on it. And it is grades that I have given out to players for the 2022 NFL Draft. And each column is a position. And each position is tiered based on the grade range of the players. And within that tier, yes, you can have players that are stacked one on top of the other, which would indicate you would covet one on top of the next player. But you could also stick players side by side, and that would be like scheme specific fits. There. Um, and for t- for two and Justin Herbert, it was very apparent very early in the process for for scouting them as as prospects uh, that their strengths were different. They were different styles of quarter. And Justin Herbert wasn't going to fit in an offense that Tua Tungvaloa would fit in as far as what their strengths and weaknesses look like. Justin Herbert, the arm, the ability to push the ball down the field. Tua's arm at the college level from an arm strength perspective was fine. He didn't have the off-platform throws that Justin Herbert was capable of making 20-plus yards downfield. Tua can throw the ball 55 yards downfield. That's fine. But again, the measure that measure of arm strength is more than just how far can you throw the ball downfield. It's how much velocity can you throw in the intermediate areas of the field? And two is always going to be naturally challenged in that regard if he's throwing from the pocket, because if you got to get it up over a linebacker, but down in front of the safety, that ball's got to have some heat, which means it can't come out with too much arc. But when you're six foot and you're in the pocket, you got to throw with velocity. So the ball's got to come out flat and with heat, you got to find a throwing window amidst your offensive line. So, I mean, there, there's different, there were always different strengths. And the question was, what kind of offense do the Dolphins want to be? And when they made the decision, I had Justin Herbert and Tua Tungvaloa separated by a couple hundredths of a point as far as their final grades. I've coveted them both very similarly. 
And I, in hindsight, made the mistake of saying, whatever decision the Dolphins are going to choose to make, I'm going to trust in their thought process and belief that it is the right decision. And they will develop that player according. Well, as we've seen through the first two years, uh, either Dolphins thought they were getting a different player than what they actually did, or I don't really know. I don't, I don't know where the disconnect was with what their decision was to draft Tua, why their decision was to draft Tua, and then the struggles that we have seen implemented. And maybe some of that really just comes down to the fact that Coach Flores didn't have a lot of connections outside of the New England bubble that he was in for his entire career to find an assistant staff. And that makes sense because Fitz is your incumbent quarterback and you make a OC hire that's Chan Gailey because he has a relationship with Fitz. Then you draft a quarterback. And your first reaction is to go out and find somebody that had a pre-existing relationship with that quarterback, regardless of the experience that he has at the NFL level and his qualifications to be in a high-level assistant position. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I try, I've tried to workshop it in my head and get around how that process manifested itself for the Dolphins. Uh, I would certainly say that Justin Herbert, uh, his appeal as a passer, was always going to be different kinds of concepts. Touchdown to check down, right? Tua Tagovailoa is a little bit more the point guard, right? Quick release, the ability to quick feet, ability to move your feet within the pocket. Now, the restrictions that are have been in place for Miami as far as the consistency of the offensive line and the offensive infrastructure, like it's developed a couple of, of bad habits that kind of manifested themselves down the stretch last year for Tua. And, um, I'm cautiously optimistic. I don't ever know. I don't, I don't know what the physical ceiling is going to be. And I don't think anybody can argue that Tua has better physical tools than Justin Herbert does. So if that was going to be what your decision was to draft him, then yeah, you drafted the wrong guy. But if your decision was about more of who do we want to be offensive, then I think there's still a pathway for this to work. But it's a question of why did who you want to be look so different than what Tua's strengths presumably were? And I, I unfortunately don't have a good answer for that, but that's one of the great mysteries of um, of the Brian Flores era of the Dolphins and, and the path that that offense took. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine a national champion this upcoming week. BetOnline is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and info from all the latest odds, contests, and player props. You name it, Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. It's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sport info uh, and wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. My OCD is now going to take over here as far as my framing of my camera. For those of you who are just listening to the podcast, please bear with me as I get myself centered back up on. Uh, Adam, thanks for all you do. I listen to the podcast religiously on my ride to work and on my jogs. Bless you for listening to me while exercising. I can't think of a voice I would rather, less rather hear in my head while I'm exercising than mine. Um. Oh, this is a good draft question. Okay, here we go. 
was wondering if you could discuss how Jojo Doman would fit in our defense and what you think of him as a player. Seems like it would be an option with a 102 pick. I'm guessing you'd fill the Brennan Scarlet role for us as a coverage linebacker. I was hoping for Chanel to add to the pass rush, but I'm guessing he won't be an option after the Tyree Kill trade. I was hoping for your two cents. Thanks, Adam. Okay, phenomenal question. And I love that this is draft specific, but it also has a Dolphin scheme question to it. So when I think of Brennan Scarlet, I think of playing to the run strength, working against collisioning tight ends, uh, and, and trying to you know, set the edge as far as maintain outside contain, turn any runs that come my way back inside to where the rest of my pursuit uh, can come and make the tackle and rally make the tackle. When I think about JoJo Doman, this is a former safety. He's 228 pounds or whatever, uh, ran a 4'6". The, the safety in him really shows on his tape. Go watch the Ohio State game, and you can see what his movement skills look like. And I think he'd be a really good player for what they tried to make Andrew Van Ginkle in the first half of the season. We all remember Andrew Van Ginkle, the amount of time that he spent in coverage or playing, moving away from the line of scrimmage and trying to accentuate his athleticism in short zones, but the feel for route combinations really wasn't there. And he got caught out in no man's lane with quarterback flushed the pocket a couple of times. I think Doman would fit that kind of role. Now, the challenge for, for JoJo is he doesn't have a lot of length. So if you're looking for a player to play to the passing strength and, and be effectively a Sam backer who's going to drop out into zones or be an outside backer on early downs, uh, you're going to have to walk a really fine tightrope as far as what his reps look like and avoid getting him stacked in the run game. Because uh, I don't think he can be a guy who plays on the line of scrimmage against the run. So you know, maybe it's a, a hybrid of the Van Ginkle role and the uh, Duke Riley role. If he were to be a player that the Dolphins were to go after, I like JoJo a lot. But as is the case with every single player that exists, from Tua Tungvaloa to Tyree Kill to Kyle Hamilton to JoJo Doman to some UDFA on the board back, if you don't put the player in the right position, they're not going to have success. Well, that was something that we went out to Los Angeles to do Super Bowl coverage with the Draft Network. And every player that we talked to, we talked to Ricky Williams. We talked to Aaron Jones of the Packers. We talked to Elijah Mitchell of the San Francisco 49ers. We talked to Aiden Hutchinson. We talked to Matt Corral. We talked to Garrett Wilson. We talked to Greg Newsom from the Cleveland Browns. Talked to, ten, must have been 10, 12 players, NFL and college prospects. And every single one of them, when we were going through environments and the makeup of a successful player, every single one of them talked about the environment that they are in and the fit that they are in being important. So you have to have the right fit for the player. So this, again, goes back to the question that was asked of, Kyle, why did the Dolphins pick two at five and then not surround them with talent? I don't know. But I can tell you that that fit, in hindsight, they, they tried what they had at their disposal to bring stuff in and get it right. But it's quite clear now that that wasn't good enough to get it done. And that would be applicable to JoJo Doman as well. Uh, O-line from Hoosier Finn Fan. What's up? What would your opinion be if they signed J.C. Treader? Moved Hunt to right tackle and had Liam and Dieter compete at right guard with Jackson as a swing tackle. 
okay, so let me do the math here. Not a math guy, but you would have Toronto Armstead, Connor Williams, JC Treader, either Liam or Michael Dieter, and then Robert Hunt. I think if Liam I or if Liam Eikenberg, if Mike McGlinchey can play offensive tackle and do reasonably well for San Francisco when his strength was really in the run game as well, coming out of Notre Dame. I think Robert could be okay at right tackle. What I would really hate to do is continue to play musical chairs with the guys. I know Coach McDaniel at the owners' meetings this week said we would be doing unjust by the process to start making declarations on guys fitting into current spots until we get into the install and we get our hands on these guys and we start having them take reps. I get it. You don't want to commit to stuff too soon. But the first-class ticket for continuing to create new hardship for your players and stonewalling their development is to continue asking them to go back to square one. So you can always put a tight end outside of tackle, right? Now, I, I would like it a lot more if your weak link was at right guard where he had a bumper around him on either side. Um, but I, I also kind of like the idea of like four really solid guys playing next to each other. So I guess Hoosier, that would depend on what your, your thought process or what, you, what your impression of Michael Dieter as a guard would be. Uh, is Rob plus anybody at right tackle, the sum of that greater than Dieter at right tackle or at right guard and Hunt at right tackle? I'll let you answer that. I mean, for me, it would probably be to leave Rob at right guard. Uh, Big Dane, I'll touch on it quick. I'll touch on it quick. What's the what's your take on this Tom Brady tweet from Dale Arnold? Do you think it's a possibility? Could it happen? Um, not in 2022. And Father Time is coming for Tom, just like it's coming for everybody. You know, we'll let let's see what this season looks like for Tua Tungavaloa uh, and the Miami Dolphins. And if it's a success, then you could put this to bed. Uh, if Tua struggles or is kind of run of the mill he has his ups and downs like he's did this last year then i'm sure we'll be having at least some conversations regarding quarterbacks uh, for 2023 and you know they they may move or they may not move uh, if he suffers injuries or you know, fails horribly which is not a pathway that i necessarily see for tua my apprehension and my cautiousness with him is more of the ceiling versus the floor um but if, if it was a total flop, then if Tom's a free agent, then we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But uh, as far as this year, no, uh, I think we can, we can put it to bed. And I know that's been kiboshed by a couple people this week. 21 and 12 personnel. Okay, now you're, you're talking my language now. Cushion canes. Sound like you know how to have a good time. Is that raising canes or is that like hurricanes? First review. I want to say thank you for making my drive to work in the morning. Something I look forward to. Well, thanks for listening. <sighs> Cannot help but daydream about 21 personnel with Hill and Waddle split wide, Gasecki on the end, Mostert and Edmonds in the backfield matched with Ingle. Or the 12 personnel with Smythe on the run strength opposed to Ingle. How in the world are defenses going to defend these types of formations? I'm not a math guy. Ah, not a math guy. 
but I'm excited to attempt to add up the amount of yards we're going to be racking up this upcoming season. This, this was a good first review, so props to you. Um, I am very, very excited about 22, personally. I know you mentioned 21 and 22, or, or 21 and 12. I'm very excited for 22, where you get a back in the backfield, then you get two tight ends, or two tight ends, two fullbacks, and a receiver. That, to me, is where you can get really exotic because Mike and his ability as a receiver, you can really create some strength as far as do you send somebody in motion, do you go unbalanced line, and a whole bunch of stuff that you could do to get plus one on the run strength and, and still have a really advantageous matchup in the passing game. Um, the 21 personnel with the two backs, that when you want to go empty, or when you when you really want to spread it out, go twenty one and do two backs and Gasecki, right? Because a, as you said, I mean, Hill, Waddle, Gasecki, Mostert, and Edmonds in twenty one personnel. Move Edmonds around all you want. Move Hill around. Move Waddle around. Gasecki can be out wide. He can be in the slot. He can be in the backfield. Like, yeah, that. The 21 personnel potential, and obviously Alec Engel when you actually want to run the ball, but from a passing game perspective, to go 21 and have those kinds of versatile threats is a really exciting math problem for defenses. MK D fan for life. Good seeing you. I know I see your reviews in here time and time again. How do you feel about us drafting a punter, preferably the San Diego State kid, Matt Areza? I know Matt Areza is the new folk hero of uh, t- draft Twitter for punters this year. And I am all for investing early in that position. That's been kind of a sore spot for a couple of years now. Uh, so with anything else, let's take it seriously. Let, let's really you know, try to look for that advantage in the special teams and invest in that group. And um, if that's, that's a fourth-round pick on a punter, I'm down to spend it. You know, Jason Sanders obviously had the regression this year, but his play has been strong uh, as far as what he's been able to contribute for the Miami Dolphins, uh, and hopefully we can get him locked back in. Foxy Rye, five stars, pulse checked, fired up. You know it. Likewise. There is a lot more reviews, a lot more questions. I'm going to get a couple more, but I want you guys to know I see you all. I'm logging these. I'm going to do my best to keep up. You know, I do get Twitter questions. I get emails. I had somebody went out and found my phone number and texted me to ask me how they wanted, how I wanted questions. Please do me a favor. If you find my number, don't text me. I got to be able to have some safe place to know that when my phone goes off and I see where it's from, it's either content or it's not. Content. But <laughs> um, I will get to as many of you as I possibly can. Um, but we have so much great content for this time of year that we're, we're trying to put out and, and I'm looking forward to. Um, just, just please be patient with me as this process continues. Uh, Giant Poo, Speed Kills, five stars. Love the content in the show as always. I'm glad we used that 29th pick for an established talent. Likewise, admittedly, I wasn't expecting it to be Hill, but an established talent nonetheless. While I am pumped for the thought of Waddle and Hill and what that means for this offense having 
the ability to stretch the field horizontally and vertically. I feel like people are sleeping on Lynn Bowden Jr.'s potential impact. Since you're one of the few that has hinted at his potential impact, please remind the fan base that we could have four game breaking talents in Hill, Waddle, DVP, and Lynn Bowden Jr. Plus Mike up the seam. Cheers. I think I don't think it's unreasonable to be cautiously optimistic for Lynn. Uh, because remember, like the sample size here is really small. Now, what Lynn showed you at Kentucky is that he's a ball player, right? He's got that dog to him. He plays with a lot of fire. Uh, put him in the backfield. You can get really exotic with him as far as he was an option quarterback at Kentucky. Is a pass catcher. He's been working on his craft as far as route running, and I'm excited to see what that looks like for him. But yeah, he's a tough-as-nails dude. And, you know, down the stretch in 2020, in December, as his snap started to increase a little bit, you kind of got your look at the multi-tool weapon that he could be. I don't ever know that I don't know that I would describe Limbo Jr. as a game-breaking talent, uh, but I would refer to him as a potential very valuable multi-tool player. And that's as you go through this group of receivers and pass catchers and even the running backs with Chase Edmonds and what he's able to do in the pass game, multi-tool weapon. Uh, Tyreek Hill and the ways that Kansas City has gotten so creative with him multi-tool weapon. Jalen Waddle, we saw how much he moved around last year, and that was for an offensive infrastructure we didn't really like. Multi-tool weapon. Limbo and Jr. can take snaps, can be a wildcat quarterback, can line up in the backfield and run routes out of the backfield, can line up in the slot, will block, like has the dog in him to come down and step down on linebackers and, and try and seal a, a hole. Multi-tool weapon. So Mike, I think, is a little bit more I don't want to say one-dimensional, but how he wins is pretty straightforward, right? He uses his size and length, and he's got good straight-line speed. And if you run him on routes that don't have hard angles, he's going to be really hard to stay attached to. If he's working the middle of the field, he gets a matched up on a safety or linebacker. Devontae Parker, high point, back shoulder extraordinaire. Uh, he can win in the slant game and get some run after catch for you. Uh, the availability is a big question for him. Uh, Sed Wilson, big yak guy. Kind of slippery. So, you, I mean, you, you got a lot of different guys that can come at you a lot of different ways. And that headache is opposing coordinators. Hey, they, they've got 17 in the game. They got 88 in the game. They got 10 in the game. Uh, they got 20. I don't know what number Chase Edmonds is going to be. Uh, but just as an example, you know, you, there's no, you have the ability to really avoid tendencies and tells. And self-scout yourself to understand, hey, we can't go this person out with this guy too much or else it's going to tell them what we're doing. So let's run it with different guys. And that's really hard to accomplish unless you have depth that you feel comfortable with. And to have this kind of depth in your skill players, it really is going to allow you to not sacrifice quality, to have different guys put in different spots for the same concepts being run and coming at you from different angles. So uh, I think that's, the piece of the puzzle that Lynn can really provide to you. Go Kai Black. Defense and post-Hill trade mock draft. Oh, I see JoJo Doman's name. Hmm. Kyle, my name is Luke from Sydney, Australia. And I've been a Dolphins fan for the past three years after falling in love with the game of football. First and foremost, I think it is absolutely badass 
that Luke from Sydney, Australia loves the game of football and enjoys it so much that he's looking for podcasts and he finds Locked On Dolphins and he's running the TDN, the Draft Network mock draft after the Tyreek Hill trade and wants my opinion on it. That to me is super cool. So thanks for listening. That's awesome. My question today is where do you think the biggest upgrade needed on the defensive side of the ball is? I also have a mock that I did post-Hill camp. Your, your mock was JoJo Doman, linebacker, Nebraska, Kyron Williams, running back from Notre Dame, Cam Jurgens, center from Nebraska. That's your best pick. Uh, Pola Mau, safety from USC, and Trey Turner, wide receiver from Virginia Tech. Um, I'm, I'm going to shoot it straight with you. I like the Jurgens pick a lot. That is the probably day three version of Tyler Linderbaum. You know, same kind of skill set, very athletic. Uh, Kyron Williams might be my least favorite pick of yours, and it has nothing to do with Kyron as a talent, but it's more so the existing players that are on the Dolphins roster in the offensive backfield right now versus what they don't have, right? And you've got Chase Edmonds, and you've got Raheem Mostert, and you've got Miles Gaskin, and you've got uh, Savan Ahmed right now. You don't have that between the tackles hitter. And I'm not going to put Jared Dokes in that bucket. But you think about what this 49ers went after last year when they drafted Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell in the third and sixth rounds, respectively. I think you need that kind of back. I'd love to get a 210-pound-plus guy in here. Whether that is uh, Damian Pierce from Florida, who I think can out execute his own system. Whether that is, um, I guess, Tyler Algier from BYU would be another interesting name a little later in the draft uh, as far as my mind goes uh, for that skill set. Pierre Strong from South Dakota State, I think it certainly put on a little bit of mass, whereas Kyron's sub 200 pounds, like he's not close to that size. So I think that I would just go in a different direction for the style of back. We've talked a little bit about Jojo Doman, uh, Polo Mao, potential special teams guy. I don't know if he's, he's going to usurp um, Clayton Fejlum for a roster spot. And then Trey Turner. Um, I'd probably have gone after a guy with a little bit more special teams upside in that spot. Uh, as far as what the biggest hole is on the roster on the defensive side of the ball, for my money, it's Mike Linebacker still. Uh, I understand Elena Roberts is experienced in the system. I understand he is really on the same page uh, with the defensive coaching staff about how this defense is supposed to run. I understand he's a good leader, uh, but my apprehension there is what the ceiling is for him as a player. And if you can find somebody, whether it's a Darian Beavers from Cincinnati in one of these picks in the late third, early fourth, or uh, if Troy Anderson from Montana State, you know, that payoff and dividends wouldn't be right away. Uh, but the the floor for Troy Anderson is really impressive because that's a guy who could fill like four roster spots. He was a former quarterback and running back at Montana State, played on both sides of the ball. Then he was a linebacker. He was all con- first team all conference for quarterback, outside linebacker and inside linebacker in three separate seasons. Uh, he holds the school record for most rushing touchdowns in a single season. Um, had 150 tackles this past year for Montana State. Uh, was 240 pounds, ran a 4-4-1. Like, <laughs> if he's there at 102, I don't care that I'm not getting a long-term payoff because anybody that you're picking at 102 is probably not going to hold a significant role for you anyway. So just draft for ceiling. That's my opinion on it. 
but I really enjoyed hearing from so many of you and your opinions on things pertaining to the Miami Dolphins. So let's do this again soon. Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Make it a great one. I will talk with you guys again on Friday. Have a good one.